Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and this is Marek Larwood. Hello, film listeners. And that panting in the background is not my excitement. Uh, it's Buddy, the, the dog, who I looked at him and immediately came over to... to uh, I never had that power before. You have a special bond. Yeah, but normally if, I, if I'd if i sort of give someone a look, they'll just <laughs> ignore me or think I'm mental. Yeah. Buddy's responded as if I was a very attractive, you know, uh, sex object and just come straight over... I think for I think for a spaniel you're pretty good looking. Thanks. Hey, hey, listeners! I went to the cinema. Uh, he's licking my feet. That's why I'm a bit distracted. Come here. Welcome to Film Fandango. It's a film podcast. We talk about films that we see in the cinema and generally about that. It's not a review show. All that business. This is for new listeners. I don't actually think there are any new listeners, are there? What, you think we've just got the same however many people and we that's it? gradually lose listeners because we've got no advertising. Well, death no... will get rid of some, gradually. If we're not adding any new ones, occasionally some will die, yeah? How is anyone ever going to find out about this? Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe we should work out how to get new people. What would we do? We'll make a movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hello, old listeners. Hi, and if, old and listeners. if anyone stumbled across this... We ha- will eventually know all of you by name. Yeah, uh, if you write in often enough. Um, yeah, uh, Marek's gone to the cinema this week. Yes, I went to see um, the uh, summer blockbuster, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Now, this is a sequel to Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which is a confusing way round, I think. Yeah, because you think would be normally Dawn goes first, then, and then Rise. And then the sun rises, doesn't it? Yeah, and the next one will be Breakfast. Yeah, breakfast. Well, it depends how many they're making. We get breakfast and then midday of the Planet of the Apes. No, next one should, it should be Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Piss. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, piss, then breakfast. Piss and, no, piss, and then may wash hands. <laughs> wash hands of the Planet of the Apes, yeah. Then breakfast. Then breakfast. The the then uh, shower. Shower. Uh, socks. Trousers. <laughs> when you put your pants on. Everyone's. Pants. Oh no! Always put your pants on first, guys. That's right. Anyway, it's Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, what's happened is, is that there's some apes. Can I try and recap the first one from memory that I saw probably yeah. a year or so Go ago? On. Okay, so in the first one, because I've not seen uh, Dawn, um, how is she? Um, James Franco yeah. and his uh, Alzheimer'sy dad, uh, John Lithgow, uh, are sort of scientists in a way, and he has an ape called. Napoleon? Yeah, I think it's Caesar. Is, yeah. C- Caesar. No, it's Caesar. Of course it's Caesar, yeah. Caesar. Um, 
and basically they're tr- he's uh, doing Alzheimer's research and ends up making a ape that's really clever. And the ape gets put in a cage and treated badly by Draco Malfoy from the Harry Potter films and then eventually escapes and and goes off into the wild because mankind has treated him abominably like he was a beast. And that's the end, right? Okay, yeah. So what happens is there's some sort of simian... At the start of this, this is no, no, no spoilers here. Um, there's some sort of simian plague that's wiped out of a lot of mankind, and oh, that's bubbling under the surface in the first one. And the monkeys have all gone to um, live in the trees, and they set their own sort of tribes, sort of almost like caveman-like, but, but and they buildings, and they they can talk to each other. What's odd is the fact that they the subtitles of when the monkeys are talking to each other are quite complicated. They're just doing grunting, basically, and moving their hands about, and yet they're using maybe, you know, quite complicated adjectives and verbs, and you think, <laughs> do you know what? I don't mean they're... And the sentence structure of some of the subtitles doesn't really... doesn't say, like, I'm feeling really indifferent towards the world today. That sort of thing. Yeah, you'd rather they were speaking French or something. That would make more sense. Yeah, it was a bit... Désolé. Anyway, in this episode, so uh, there's this um, colony of uh, survivors of uh, uh, human survivors as well, and there's a colony of apes just in the woods nearby. And the humans want to get to. Uh, the problem is the humans want to get, running out of fuel, so they can't communicate with any other colonies. They want to get some f- fuel. Um, and Caesar, who's a monkey from the first one, mm-hmm. set up a colony uh, right by the dam, which they want to restart again, so they can get electricity back into their colony. Okay. Um, in my opinion, it's got numerous problems with this film. Um, one is all the human colonies just and not you know. I'm not saying I'm right wing, but <laughs> are they hippies? They're are they just overly hippies? liberal. You know, like, I imagine it's like a whole lot of Guardian readers who suddenly think monkeys are more important than other humans. You know, and there's a there's a couple of bad humans who are just two dimensional idiots, yeah. thugs, yeah, because they don't like the monkeys, and the monkeys are just doing. But I think in a if. All of mankind was wiped out, apart from a few survivors. I think there'd be a lot of right-wing people. Yeah, it would be. It would be a like, lot of thugs. I think would be left over. Yeah, not no, um, not, not these. They wouldn't survive these liberal garden readers. Good. Or they would change their views because they're so frightened and they've seen so much. It's just always really sincere people. You know the people at parties who are really left-wing. It's middle middle-class people who just. Bang on about liberal stuff, but don't do anything about it because they're so comfortable anyway. I've got a bit of a proper chip on my shoulder, <laughs> and they only put, they all look as if they're about to start crying. They're that, that those sort of faces. Halle they, Berry, no, she's not in it. No, she she just everything every line she's ever delivered ever is like she's about to start crying. It's that they've all got that sincere face on them, which makes me want to hit them. And who uh, are they? Uh, the main bl- bloke, this guy called. Uh, Jason Clark, I don't really know him, and his wife Kerry Russell, and he's got this kid, uh, his son, who's got one of the most punchable faces I've ever seen. My main point about this film is you that, wanted the mankind to die. Uh, I didn't. The key thing about this is, I think this is a moment where, which is a, a potentially massive moment, and it's quite ironic considering that it's about monkeys getting more powerful than humans, becoming more human. Yes, it's. In, in another sense, parallel to that, the moment where computer-generated graphics yes. have produced 
better acting than the humans. Ah, so which is oddly rather uh, yeah. in a sort of weird. I don't know what the word is. It's for good it. work from Andy Serkis, though, is it? Andy Serkis, who's and the go-to, whole digital team, who's the go-to guy. Basically, he sticks a lot of polos on his face and moves it around, and they track the polos to move the. F- is that a, his, either his? He obviously had a big role to play in it, copying, mapping his face and copying his expressions. Yes. But I thought the facial expressions from the apes were incredible. Because there was a whole moment where they're... What was that? The Tom Hanks ice Christmassy one. Oh, Polar Express. Polar Express was uh, was uh, criticised because all the characters had their dead eyes where they didn't get their pupils. So they all looked like they're... But... Early in that technology. I, it's horrible in that era. Because it's supposed to be a kid's film. The, they're like, uh, they all look like psychopaths. Yeah, the Christmas Carol, the Jim Carrey one that used that same technology. It's just horrible. It might have helped the fact that they're yeah you're right Jim that was weird as well yeah. that they're they're not human yes so it doesn't they don't have the same responses but the emotions you could see going through where they didn't they didn't have to get the characters to say it all yeah they would just show them that there was that they could do the subtext of what they were saying so it would be two monkeys talking to each other and one would be uh, they didn't have to say that monkey doesn't trust you and yeah. it's, or the ape so I should say ape. Uh, I'm sorry if I've offended the <laughs> apes of the Bacorny monkeys. <laughs> but um, they didn't have to say, I don't trust you, you know, yeah. Caesar, or I, I disagree with you. They it's could show the, it in their faces. And it was the actual acting. And it was fascinating watching that, and it was better than Well, the interestingly, in a lot of films, especially um, American blockbusters, they won't trust human actors with that subtext either. They'll put it in the script. Because... One, they don't trust the actors to deliver that performance, so you get the, oh, I don't trust you thing. They also don't trust the audience to be emotionally aware enough to read it in actors either. Um, so they seem to just go, they, they just have the, cam- the camera pan to one side and him say to somebody else, I don't trust that guy. <laughs> I think the computer graphics were so incredible that it's, it may be sort of over, it uh, sort of plasters over the uh, little bit generic sort of did and not especially uh original plot you know you can sort yeah. of tell what's you know what's going to happen it's all it's a middle movie of a trilogy presumably yeah, and it, the most interesting character is caesar and his sort of it's, and it does feel I like I like the idea the most interesting character is the cgi one though that's but, good but it's him and and the other and um I can't remember who the other the the Ash, who's is Ash? No, it's not Ash. The, the second in command, uh, monkey, ape. Second in command, ape. I'm sorry. Um, who is uh, almost like Brutus? It's almost like a retelling of that ah. in a sense. But my problem was was, and there's a little bit of spoilers here. That the the good monkeys are the most human looking ones, right? And the bad monkeys are the ones that look ugly. And you thought, you don't need to... Do, you've taken the same thing. Yeah. Playing problem with film, where the good guys are attractive and good-looking. Yeah. And the bad guys are ugly. Which it, which permeates itself through the whole of society in a way we behave. I think mean, it's a real problem that mm. good is associated... That this myth of what someone who's good is good-looking, that's what how then suddenly people aspire to be that person and becomes a huge thing. That's a whole social problem I'm getting to. But the fact that they're doing it with these... The fact, they're supposed to be... They're not, they're not human. So why are you making... You're differentiating between them being human and, and monkeys. So mm. Why are you making them look human? So that annoyed me. Um, but it's a fascinating film t- to watch. It's an action film. It's got great... Uh, 
computer graphic performances. There's some brilliant bits where you've got uh, uh, apes trying to act like they're stupid to fool humans. <laughs> That's a nice it's really idea. there's a couple of really brilliant bits, and I was astounded by the movement and the CGI. And I'm very, I'm not a big fan of CGI because I find it just an excuse yeah. of. Um, I much prefer the old Ray Harryhausen sort of stop motion. Well, stuff. it, it was, sounds like what great. they've done from this. And correct me if I'm wrong. Is even though it's a CGI character, the character is the star rather than the technology. Yeah. Because what my problem with uh, King Kong, another Andy Serkis ape performance. Um, the, my problem with it as a movie is the King Kong stuff was great, like his characterization, and you could read everything. And obviously, King Kong can't speak either, so it's all in the bo- body language and facial expressions and stuff. But that he, Peter Jackson, so wanted to exhibit all of the CGI he could do that it was a boring, boring story. Mm. The story of King Kong is a simple fable. It's not a three and a half hour epic there's not enough happens mm. they steal a monkey and then take him away from his home and treat him poorly the monkey falls in love with a woman and then dies for her the end that's it that's the entire story it doesn't need to be three hours long so it, they need to get to this point where they're using the graphics to tell a story of a character they couldn't have done before and that sounds like what they're doing with Caesar yeah I think I think it's, it's interesting on lots of different the plot's not especially interesting. The, uh, but if you, as a film goer, it's fascinating to see this moment in in te- where technology. I think how has far become... we've come with it as well. I mean, I don't know if you saw Lost in Space with Gary Oldman and uh, Matt LeBlanc, but that is an example of very early CGI monkey and the space monkey that I... time. No, this was a monkey. It had a tail, um, but. My God, that has dated. If you see it on YouTube or look it up, it, I don't know why they even r- ran with it, to be honest. It just didn't work. They should have just had a glove puppet held by Heather Graham. That would have been good. Here's my here's my question for you, David. Yes. As CGI has gone really well in this and, and uh, gone really well, I can't Such an idiot. Um, will they ever use CGI to... Because they, they touch... They really touch up people's faces actors yes. faces will they ever change the actors expressions Ooh. using CGI to make their performances better how do we know they haven't already maybe they have so Oscar winners aren't necessarily apparently like in uh, I can't remember I think it was Atonement um, they went through nearly every frame of Kira Knightley smoothing her skin over because she had bad skin on that production oh really yeah like they've gone through the entire film doing that some poor man has spent six months of his life airbrushing Kira Knightley frame by frame um I I obviously it would be a lot of a lot tougher job to change musculature and stuff I think they could already do it probably but you can always, you can cheat in the edit I know even when I've done really rubbish short films and I've not got the reaction I've taken the reaction from something else and put it in yeah. and even the wrong bit even me just talk or someone else just talking yeah. relax on camera and you take that look and suddenly it looks like they've done a good performance but they yeah. haven't actually done that you the just lie in the edit tells yeah. you what the facial expression that's what means that's what I was trying to say yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I, I think they could do it. I mean, it's, there's always been a, a sort of fear that's been bubbling under the surface and people being sort of uh, hyperbolically talking about it for decades now of computers replacing actors, you know. But I don't think I don't think that'll happen. They'll want it to, but they, 
so they can control everything. It will just become animation then, won't it? And and the thing about animation is you can control every single aspect of it. Nothing is random. But that makes things very clean and precise and like Pixar films, you know? But you uh, could. I mean, I can see someone CGIing Kira Knightley anyway, her performances. Mm. But I can't see anyone CGIing Nicolas Cage's performance. No, <laughs> I mean, what would, they wouldn't know what they were aiming for in the first place. <laughs> That's the trick. Yeah. Nicholas Cage has been a genius. He's realised that he if he just does anything crazy, yeah. no one's gonna fight no one's gonna be able to see Giant. No. He's played the long game. The long game. Well done, Nicholas Cage, you clever, clever man. You've bested us once more. I'll tell you what though. What? I've got a few opinions. say I'm a p I'm one of the few remaining listeners. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know why you think we have so few listeners. We get about 1,600. Yeah. And or it more. creeps up over time. We get about that, that number who listen to it every single week. Yeah. Well, if you're one of those 1,600, well done. Thanks, mate. Thank you. If they want to write in... Yeah. How do they do it? Well, you can email us, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com, using your own email address. Um, or you can go on Facebook forward slash Film Fandango and talk to us, and more importantly, each other there. Why not share film things? Find kindred spirits. Don't be alone. Or you can tweet it's not us. a dating website. Not yet it isn't. Okay. There's where the money is. <laughs> um, or you can uh, tweet us at Film Fandango, at Mr. David Reed, or at Marit Larwood. And also, we always have to do this, and sorry, but we do all of this for free. And uh, it, there are overheads, and uh, we can't continue to do it without your support, basically. So, to everyone who's already donated to us, thank you very much. You're the reason we're still doing this every week. And to those of you who haven't, or if you didn't do much last time, or you think it's about time you paid again, then why not go to our website, filmfandango.co.uk, and follow the links from there to donate towards the running of the podcast. It really helps. Even if it's just like 20p or something, it just helps us... Um Pay for their Libsyn thing and, for and cinema. cinema tickets. And, and also, else. there's a red bubble. If you put Film Fandango into Red Bubble, we've done. So you can get if you prefer to get a t-shirt get or something like that. Yeah, and they now do cushions and bags. Have you oh, seen no, that? They've oh, added those. Some some of those. I'll tell you what. Someone's written in a regular listener. It's only bloody Chris Webb. Chris Webb. What uh, does he want? Do you want to have a read? Yeah. What accents Chris Webb got? Well, he's, he's like English, but he's based in he? New Zealand. Yeah. But I think he's put some instructions on it. Uh, has he? Well, he says try New Zealand accent again if you want. With a digital, that's how you get into it. I'm not very good at New Zealand. It's good, mate. Dear David American Buddy, I read recently that a sci-fi movie Ender's Game was heavily boycotted in the US by various pressure groups due to the author's slightly extreme views on homosexuality and same-sex marriage. While the book's author had very little to do with the film's production, other than presumably getting paid a fat pile of cash for the option, it was enough for people not to see it in principle. So that's my question to you. Have, slash would, you ever not see a film purely on principle? And by that I don't mean just because superhero films are shite, or that Adam Sandler is a total bellend. <laughs> E.g., if Flight of Dragons was written by Gary Glitter... That's my favourite film no one else likes... Uh, would you still watch it? I've refused to watch any of the Hobbit films, partly because of the backroom deals made between the New Zealand government and Warner Brothers, which set employment rights back 20 years. 
but also because of the very mean-spirited legal battle between the owners of the rights of all things Hobbit and the pub in Southampton, also called The Hobbit, over the use of the name. Marek probably drank in there as a student. I actually did in my local The Hobbit in Southampton. No, that's awesome. The pettiness of it all has saved me $20 per film and about 12 hours of my life. So what about you good people at Film Fandango? Dingo, ain't my baby. Has anything got you to limb so high on your horse that you've refused to see a film? Loads of love, Chris. P.S. I recently watched Blue Rain. It's as good as Marek says. Blue Ruin. Oh yeah, that's right. It's the porn version. Um, Highly recommended. Thanks, Chris. Um, oh, well done, Chris. Do I like we, Chris again Basically, now. to, um, to uh, paraphrase his question, do we have any principles, is what he's asking. My, um, I tend to get pissed off with everything. Yeah, you do, yeah. So either ignorance is the best... Policy. The circle, circle of intelligence is best not to know anything. I have seen um, a film, because uh, our guest Dan Tetzel brought it in, that was produced by Joseph Goebbels. So I've definitely seen it, but I'm pretty sure he's not getting any money from DVD sales anymore. I think. I think Goebbels isn't getting cash from Munchausen. Yeah, you never know if he's never know. still somewhere, you know, dressed up. I don't have a problem in principle with um, watching the art of evil people. The money thing is different, isn't it? I think. You could say that with... Like, but... The, the, I'm sure they're dodgy anyway. The, the Weinstein's run oh, the film yeah. industry, and apparently they just—if you get on the wrong side of them—you're screwed, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the end of your career. And I think well, that, any of these power brokers can end careers and do. I think. I, th- I don't think that's an over exaggeration. If you met them all, actually, in the, at the most ruthless, you think I don't want to watch any of these films or yeah. blockbusters. Richard E. Grant told me a story about Steven Spielberg that sadly I can't repeat here, but um, that. Uh, that ended with the phrase you do not fuck the sun king which was wonderful um, yeah like this this stuff happens um, that I, I think um, that's why I, I, I really think that's why I'm shouting the, the merits of Blue Ruin yeah because I think I don't know if they're sex offenders or not but I think uh, <laughs> that that's why you should try and go and see these independent films that if we say something we like I, I really like people go and see those films because they're the ones not being screwed over by the yeah. it, it, I read about the making of that sort of the flip side of it yes where there's like profit shares and they put all their own money into it and it's a labour of love and that's oh, why it's important you don't watch those if you, you shouldn't watch anything dodge anyway but yeah. you should give money to those films but it's also hugely problematic isn't it that it's never everyone in this production was evil and should be boycotted. Like, there's uh, in front of, as a human shield, in front of people with dubious business ethics are a bunch of filmmakers and artists and people trying desperately to get their passion project made. And the two you can't really separate from each other. You know. Good answer. Um, shall I go on to the next letter? Do it. This is from Jane Brown. Dear buddy David and Marek uh, and Danielle, who I love but is no longer on the podcast, please excuse this rather extended email, but I've not sent communication before. I've mentioned the podcast for absolutely, I did the ages, so that's when we were on Absolute Radio a long time ago, uh, very close to the beginning, and really love it. I'm probably at a higher age end of your audience, but hopefully not the oldest. I'm a huge fan of watching film at the cinema because the music always is, is, is... I'm not a huge fan of watching film at the cinema because the music is always too loud and the voice is mumbly. It must be my age. 
My earliest memories of the cinema will be 1959. Our parents take us to see Disney films at the cinema on Eltham High Street. I remember Sleeping Beauty, Pollyanna and Darby O'Gill and the little people who scared the bejesus out of me. They stayed with me for years, the stuff of childhood nightmares. And also the parents were fans of carry-on films, carry-on nurse, teacher and constable. And then we moved abroad where the films were censored. Uh, West Side Story Without a Knife Fight. Uh, <laughs> that sounds good. That's amazing. And my mother was a fan of pop musicals, so we saw all the Cliff Richard and Elvis films in some very interesting cinemas there. Uh, early on in the podcast, someone brought up Threads. This was a TV film I put to the back of my mind. I saw it about the time I had my first baby, and can honestly say it really disturbed me. It's the reason I've not thrown away a pair of sunglasses since 1984. In fact, <laughs> I've forgotten why I had so many pairs in various parts of the house until it was mentioned, and for some reason, it keeps coming up. Probably because it is the most harrowing film I've ever seen by it, some distance yes uh, Welsh writer Gareth Gwynn brought it in uh, it is a wonderful TV movie it still has on IMDB the most impressive CV of any actress or actor ever which is uh, one woman in threads uh, and her only entry on her CV is woman who urinates herself uncredited <laughs> I think it's on YouTube so if you want to really ruin uh, your outlook on life forever. Watch that threads. Threads. Uh, carry on with that. Sorry. Um, as America's a francophile, uh, has he ever seen Hotel du Nord, a film from 1938? I haven't. I really love it. We came across the DVD a few years back. We're staying in an apartment in the Canal Saint Canal Saint Martin near the Hotel du Nord. Uh, also, a really charming Persian Iranian film. Children of Heaven is worth watching. If you haven't already seen it. Uh, I'll just do 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 do. Here's a question: Is there an actor you don't really like in other things? But there is one film that you love them in. Mine would be Jim Carrey. I love him in The Truman Story, Hugh Grant. I thought he was in Fantastic About a Boy, Kira Knightley, crap and a lot of things. Brilliant entertainment. I'd agree with that. Um, I, I can't really watch Kira Knightley in a lot of things or find she detracts from the film a bit. Um, but in Atonement, I thought she was spot on. I thought she was excellent. Uh, mostly because of her smooth, smooth skin. But... Um, Hugh Grant, I like in a lot of things. I, I don't agree with that one. It, it's a personal taste thing. Jennifer Lor- uh, Lopez, sorry. Jennifer Lopez is the one for me. Um, I've mentioned it before. She is perfect in Out of Sight. And the relationship between her and George Clooney is is like proper on-screen chemistry. Like an, like an old classic film. It's wonderful. And then she has never done... She's never picked a good film again, as far as I can see. Clearly, there's talent there. It's just... Her personality sucks balls, and um, she she d- picks the wrong film. She doesn't have good taste in films. I think is the problem. Um, so um, yeah, I, Jim Carrey, I think it's spot on. I I think I really like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind yes. as well. And it's great. I I think he's. Uh, I really liked Ace Ventura, the first one. Yeah, I think you know that is a film built around him. Um, I think he's done enough good... I think an, a better example for me, or not a better example, in my opinion, yes. uh, would be Adam Sandler, who I think is good... Is he in Punch Drunk Love? Is yeah. He? I thought he's good in that, and, and annoying in like, Nickel Nicky, and it awful. Yeah, but, yeah. But, I don't uh, like his sort of farty, kidsy films. He was uh, Happy Gilmore was a great yeah. sort of debut for it, and then um, it, it sort of got worse. Funny things. People, he's good, because he tones it down. That's like his eternal sunshine, really. You know, he's playing a real bloke. Um, yeah, interesting. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else on that list. But you, I've never liked Randy Quaid. Does that count? <laughs> not even in Kingpin. I've not seen Kingpin. 
maybe that would be the one where I can he's stand him. I love that film. Um, but Hugh Grant, I think he's done a lot of. Uh, I think good just, work. Yeah. I think he has. About, but, about but the boy is one of my favourite ones. I think it's a great film. I, do, I can't fault um, uh, Four Weddings. Yeah, I think it's a that. brilliant film. Um, and I do like um, the other one. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? What's the uh, one? Other one. Cloud Atlas. No, they're not Love Actually. <laughs> Notting Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who was wh- wh- who was that email from? That's from Jane Brown. She also says, uh, when I listen to the podcast, I look forward to Buddy's contributions and, and the sirens. As I live, live in a quiet part of the country, we don't often hear the bl- the blues and twos. And sometimes when I'm listening late at night on the earphones, I think that the police are raiding our cul-de-sac. <laughs> <laughs> I oh. wish I lived in the country. Yeah, we all do. Thanks, Jane Brown. Good email. Um, in terms of uh, not liking the cinema that much anymore, um, I remember he's no longer with us, sadly, but um, my family took my grandfather to the cinema because he used to really like it uh, when he was a young man and he hadn't been in decades. And so we thought, well, we'll take him to see Jurassic Park. It was just come out, it was on at the cinema, and we thought the effects in this will blow his mind if he hasn't seen things since sort of black and white people on a train talking very fast and very clipped accents, and then we show him Jurassic Park. You know, what amazing. The only thing he had to say about it afterwards was, very loud. That was it. <laughs> that was his entire opinion of the film. Didn't like it, just sat there going, oh, loud for two and a half hours. How could you not like that? It was amazing. Um, we've got another letter. Do you want to read it out? Sure. Um, uh, from Anne Coletta. John T. Anne Coletta. Uh, what accent am I doing? Um, I don't know. I'll do Anne Coletta as a pirate. She's from Albany, so you can do that. It's just near New York, not New York, but in the same borough sort of thing. Like oh, I can't there. do specific American boroughs. Do a pirate. Thanks. Hi, David and Marek. Woof, buddy. I've been thinking about Jersey Skolimowski's Moonlighting. Don't know that. Starring Jeremy Irons. It's available here on Amazon Prime. I first saw it in 1984 and it made a huge impression on me. Cue digression about going to Roman Catholic Mass as a child and having people collecting for solidarity in addition to the regular weekly collections. Jeremy Irons leads a small group of Polish workers who illegally renovate a Polish government official's flat in London. He is the only one who speaks English and keeps the other workers from learning that martial law has been declared in Poland in response to solidarity. There are a lot of funny scenes, despite the serious situation both in London and at home. Their first trip to a supermarket is priceless. It's one of those movies that stuck with me, and some of the quotes from it still resonate deeply after all these years. Are these Would these be spoilers to do the quotes? Maybe, yeah. Um, let me just go to the question. Yeah. Don't pay attention to Rotten Tomato synopsis. It is slightly wrong. (laughs) Anyway, after saying all that, my question is this. He hides the news about martial law in Poland from them. I can't imagine this happening today with the ubiquity of cell phones and smartphones. Can you think of any other favourite films that are of a place and time now, not just because of the historical events they are part of, but because of today's technology? P.S. Oh, Lordy, I just reread this and it makes no sense. Uh, now remember, if David reads this, it should be in the voice of Chris Webb. But if Mark reads it, it should be as a man with defrosting peas in his mouth. Well, this is what Chris Webb sounds like today. Best app. Uh, thank you, Uncle Um You know, cell phones have killed 
killed the thriller so a, a bit because they keep having to be set in places with no signal and that keeps having to be set. And we talked about this before, we yeah. Have, they, yeah. There's always a bit where they get their the bit where they someone should do a, a compilation, I'm sure they've done this already, yeah. of people's a mashup of people's no bars, phone, no bars, or cell phones running out, battery, or reception yeah. going. Yeah, yeah. But it, it used to be cutting the cutting the uh, telephone line. Used to be the one, didn't it? Before. Yeah, yeah. That and was now it. You just to... pick up the receiver and it'd be, and that was, that's all you needed. Yeah. That told you everything. Or just pulling the phone out and the cord coming out and it being a. a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's or if people don't use their phone when they could, you go, "What are you doing, you idiot? Call for help! Don't keep running around this house." Maybe in the future, when they stop getting that little bit of material that's in all phones, that's really valuable that they need to make. You know, all phones, they're trying to get you to send your phones back, aren't they? Yeah. Because there's a weird sort of bit of some sort of silicon, I don't even know what it's called. Adamantium. Yes. They're trying to make Wolverine. That, that, or something, or no, it's not adamantium. It's, really, <laughs> I thought, it's some sort of chemical, but it makes your phones work. So they, they realise okay. they're going to run out of it. Yeah. And they so they're trying to get you to send your phones back because that bit of material is that really valuable. Yeah. Okay. Because there's only one place, like some sort of cave in Africa somewhere has got it. I mean, I'm just... I'm You're turning just, into a bit of a fairy tale. But. Yeah. Anyway, so there might not be phones in the future. That's the point I'm trying to make. Okay. So people won't have that, this problem. Well, Hopefully we'll look regress. forward to that day. I mean, when the plague comes and mm. the world is... When the apocalypse is here, it's at good. least you can think, do you know what? At least if we make a film, we don't have to worry about the old mobile phone yeah. dilemma. You know, it's going to be a disease that kills There's, us all, that isn't it? That could be it now. There's there it is. Outbreak. That's for you, Jane Brown. It's going to be... It's stopped outside your house. <laughs> oh, the no. The siren's coming from inside the house. <laughs> I knew. It's in the kitchen. I knew I should have shot that old lady. <laughs> um, um, it's going to be a disease that does kill us all eventually, isn't it? Yeah, plague. It's not going to be something exciting like a tidal wave or a meteor. It's just going to be a horrible disease. There's no antibiotics if all the rich people have stopped them up. Um, well, no, they won't work anymore. That's the thing. All of the food companies have uh, killed antibio- given antibiotic resistance to uh, the bacteria. Thanks, food companies. I've already peaked anyway, I don't know about you. Oh yeah, we, we won't get it, but you know, our, our, the next generation are screwed. But we sure did have some lovely pizzas. Well, I don't think you've answered the question, but on that note... Yeah, I think we're going to go, aren't we? We'll be back next week. Enjoy the summer. Yeah, please do. Why not email us about how much you've enjoyed the summer, or if you've seen a summer film? We've done this already. I know, but I'll remind them. Dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. Talk to us. In the meantime, (laughs) keep keep watching the the films. films. Bye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 